It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? Sean here. It's your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, we finally have a real basketball game to talk about. It's been a little while, but the Toronto Raptors played a very competitive game against the Philadelphia 76ers last night. Even still down some guys. They did get a few back, though. Pascal Siakam had a great game. We'll talk about that. Chris Boucher went off with a 28-19. We'll dig into that as well. All with special guest Chelsea Late of Raptors HQ as we dig into our big takeaways. Also, we got the due to the game to hand out as we always do on a game recap podcast as well that's all coming up on today's episode of locked on raptors oh like because when i shot i expected to make it so like i don't shoot kind of miss you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1087 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. So please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on YouTube so you can see my face every single day. Day. Who wouldn't want that, frankly, other than my mom? Uh, so please go do that. It's much appreciated when you help support and uh, stroke my ego and build the numbers up over on that YouTube channel. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. On today's show, we are talking about the Raptors' 114-109 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers last night. Still shorthanded, but a little bit less so last night. And we got lots to dig into from what was a very, very fun basketball game with today's guest, one of our wonderful staffers over at Raptors HQ making her debut appearance on the podcast. It's writer, comedian, Chelsea Late. How's it going? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Really happy to have you on for the first time on the show. Thanks for, uh, you know, punching down and hanging out. I always love yeah. it when people decide to do that. Uh, so <laughs> let's dig into this game, Chelsea. I, I think the place to start here is probably Pascal Siakam. The Raptors get him back last night after he missed the game against the Cavs, and I think he missed the Warriors game now that I'm thinking about it as well. It was yeah. his first game since that Brooklyn game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Time is fake. I don't know what's going on. It's ridiculous how much time has passed, and they've only played one or two games in the meantime, so I guess they've kind of lucked out there a little bit with all the cancellations. Either way, 
Uh, Chelsea, Pascal Siakam last night, 28 points, 6 boards, 8 assists, 11 of 21 shooting, 6 of 6 from the line, had just 3 turnovers, and I thought this was one of his best games ever as like a number one option. The way they flowed the offense through him, he made incredible decisions all night long, keeping it for himself when he had to, going up against Joel Embiid when he wanted to, finding the outlet whenever you know Embiid was too imposing and large and in his way. Chelsea, what were your impressions of Pascal Siakam's game last night? Because I thought he was fantastic. Oh yeah, he was. And it really was that kind of, I guess, fight mentality where he didn't have his partner in Fred Van Vliet and what I was really impressed with with him is how well he was creating for others in Mm -hmm. a role that's not usually his you know he's not the guy who's gonna be you know dishing out a lot of assists and so he kind of had to step up and do that a little bit more as you know the Raptors didn't have like a true point guard Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was definitely impressed by his assist numbers Um, I mean Pascal getting 30 isn't really a a rare, a rare um, occurrence. (laughs) So in that sense, you know, it's just Pascal doing Pascal things, but I was really impressed with how he was, was passing and kind of like working with the team and, you know, him and Gary, especially were kind of trying to fill in that Fred role. And I guess Mm -hmm. that's what they're going to have to do until he gets back. Yeah, it was a lot of Trent Siakam pick and roll last night, and it actually kind of had some pretty good results at times, maybe less so when Gary Trent's handling the ball, just because, you know, he's not exactly pass first or whatever, but that's that's what we love Gary Trent Jr. for, so it's fine. It's just a difficult spot he was put into, having to be one of the main guys. Trent had a bit of a rough shooting night, 6 of 24. He did hit those couple big buckets late, uh, some very ballsy ones, which was always yeah. fun to see, but um, back to Siakam. The yeah. thing about the game that I really appreciated was like Embiid has kind of always been this bugaboo to him right he's enormous you you think back to the playoffs and the frustration that Siakam ran into probably the first time he's kind of faced that kind of adversity in a playoff series going up against Joel Embiid after having his way with the magic back in 2019 pretty easily and to me it just kind of felt like he had Embiid on a string look Embiid's amazing he was incredible in this game he's the reason the Sixers won he's the reason the Sixers do anything because the rest of that team is deeply uninspiring but like Siakam had a really good feel for when Embiid was coming to help where he was helping from and what passes that was opening up and then a couple times he just took it to Embiid and I thought that was awesome he picked up a couple fouls got to the line like I don't know, Chelsea, we've talked about Pascal Siakam a lot on this podcast. Uh, Everyone kind of knows my stance on him. I think people are stupid if they don't really appreciate how good he is. And there's just this like conflation of what his contract is versus what he is as a player. And I think both are exceedingly fine and there's nothing to be upset with either. But for you, like as you've envisioned this team going forward, you know, we haven't seen them at full capacity. Obviously they have only had OG and Siakam available for, I think four games together this season. We haven't seen their best lineups, all of that. Where does Siakam fit in for you in terms of like hierarchy once this team is fully healthy? Cause I know there's this sort of faction out there that's like, Oh, just give the ball to Scotty Barnes. I know I kind of made that claim on the podcast last week, a little bit hyperbolically, probably uh, you've got Fred Van Vliet, obviously is having an all-star level season. He's been doing a great job running the offense. How much would you like to see Siakam sort of used as the fulcrum of the offense like we saw last night because like if he can do it like he did last night there's no reason to not run every single possession through him because he was that good yeah and 
in terms of like where his place is, especially with Scotty Barnes back in the lineup, um, I think, you know, Scotty's amazing, obviously, and he has so much left to grow, but he's still a rookie and obviously yeah. he's going to make rookie mistakes. And I think the ideal balance between the two of them would just have be have Siakam lead and Scotty Barnes follow and watch. I think that's, you know, a great opportunity Scotty has to to see someone like Siakam play and see how they mm-hmm. operate and on the other hand, you know, those guys play sometimes like upwards of like 30, 40 minutes in a game. And so <laughs> to have, you know, Pascal play and then have, you know, Scotty Barnes be the guy that's playing when they're on the bench and like still being able to produce would be an incredible option for us. And, you know, so I, I definitely think he's our first option and we have to play through him and, mm-hmm. you know, Scotty Barnes is the future as well. And so having the two of them play off of each other would just be like perfect. Yeah, I'm growing much more. And I've been keen on this idea for a while, but the idea of like Scotty and Gary Trent Jr. kind of getting that early sub out and joining the second unit and kind of running that second unit when they're at full health, I think looks pretty exciting to me, uh, especially with the way that Scotty's just like bombing away from three and stuff now. The spacing seems to be less of a problem with him. And honestly, that's another reason to kind of maybe flow things through Siakam more a little bit once they're at full health is if, you know, Scotty can capably space the floor, is not, you know, afraid to put up corner threes and whatnot. I kind of like the idea of Siakam being that sort of central figure and then picking out all of his many very good shooters while he's kind of in the middle of the floor. It's one of them good problems. They have lots of guys you can run the offense through. And I think the most surprising thing of this season has been that the offense has not felt like that much of a problem, even on nights like last night where they were not at all healthy or full or complete. We lost Chelsea there, but Chelsea's back. Uh, it's just, you know, it's been, uh, it, it's been a really fun offense to watch, I think. Even though sometimes it can kind of get bogged down at this low assist rates and all this stuff, it's kind of all over the place. I really think it's a, it's a fun and interesting offense to watch because of the number of guys who can kind of show a little bit of dynamism and, and get shots for themselves. And, and I think Siakam last night really kind of proved that he's the cream of the crop when it comes to Raptors doing that very thing. Um, any other quick sort of uh, quick take big takeaways from this game, Chelsea? I, I think, you know, there is the sort of, you know, oh, my God, how are they going to guard Embiid? They have no centers. That's always going to be their predicament when they play the Sixers and no, there's no Embiid. That's just the way it is. And, you know, they've kind of set themselves up to have to live like that until they get a, a sort of a more real bigger center in. But what did you think of the way they kind of dealt with Embiid? Obviously, Embiid has himself a big night. He had 36 points, 11 boards, 4 assists. But I still thought they did a pretty good job of just, like, doing their best to stop him, which sometimes is all you can really ask for. What did you think of the way they guarded Embiid? I thought it was, you know, considering they don't have a center, <laughs> essentially, I thought yeah. we did really well. I mean, mm-hmm. if anything, it's like a testament to where the Sixers are to how much how that game was and how close it was in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only, I think like a five point game in the end. And, you know, that that's promising. And that shows that, you know, if we had a few more of our regular pieces in that, I think we definitely would have won that game by a, a lot more. Um, yeah. Just saying something, cause you know, the Sixers are up there and I think that's definitely, you know, shows just like how much more we have to improve once mm-hmm. we get healthy. And um yeah, I just think they they did a really good job of just like sticking it out and not giving up and not kind of saying like, oh, like we don't have two of our better player, two or three of our better players still. So mm-hmm. we're just going to try and, you know, survive. They actually tried to like, you know, get out a win and 
you know, unfortunately it sucks when it's that close win and for a second you kind of think we're going to, we're going to get away <laughs> with it, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, there was only so much they could do against them beat down the stretch. It, it did kind of feel like instant buckets sometimes when they were just kind of tossing it to him. He had that three as well late. That was such a like backbreaker because Embiid's amazing. He's incredible. But like, I think the way they kind of approached him where it was, you know, sending doubles his way as much as they could. They were, you know, Utah was like extremely eager with the help defense and all that stuff. I think the approach was right. And I think the fact that the rest of the Sixers shot horribly from the field in this game, you know, and just really kind of did not make good on those playmaking opportunities that Embiid had when those doubles came his way. I thought that was, you know, that that's probably the move there, right? Is you try to force him to pass out as much as you can. Eventually, he's going to score 36 on you because the tallest person you have against him is Yuta Watanabe and Chris Boucher is getting, you know, batted around and all that. But uh, I thought, you know, overall, the way that defended him was pretty reasonable. And I think you can kind of still see why he says, you know, that the Raptors give him the most problems with anybody else, even without their guys to do it they still kind of, you know, made it annoying enough where they could hang into this game and barely scrape by. Oh, yeah. You know, the things I thought they really missed, A, I mean, like Barnes and Ananobi are so crucial to that MB defense, right? Because they're so long, they cover so much ground, they can get out after sending doubles and get out and contest. That obviously is the thing they were missing. And then I think the thing they were missing most was Fred's dig downs. Like against Embiid, he's so deadly kind of getting in there as this small man just ripping the ball away from the large dude. And he just he couldn't do that in this game because he wasn't there. And, you know, Malachi Flynn not really doing that on the defensive end at the same level as Fred Van Vliet. Nobody does it on the same level as Fred Van Vliet, but it was uh, a pretty rough state of affairs with, you know, just sort of the, the personnel they had. But I thought they did a pretty good job kind of hanging in against a very tough, tough assignment to, to give themselves a shot to win. Chelsea, we're going to continue on here. We're going to dig into some other observations from this game. I want to talk about DJ Wilson, who is a freaking hero. We're going to talk about uh, Malachi Flynn, I think, as well, a little bit, too. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Truebill, who are the company that's saving you money because they're helping you cancel the unwanted subscriptions you no longer want or need or simply forgot about. It's very hard to remember all the different free trials you sign up for and the money you're set to pay. And these companies aren't helping you remember either. They're not sending you reminders like, hey, guess what? Your free trial ends soon. We're going to start charging you money on this date. They just start charging you money on that date and it is miserable. So I highly recommend you check out Truebill because companies make subscriptions extremely hard to cancel. Truebill is here to make it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge is there when you need to need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions for you so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users worldwide and it's helped them save over $100 million in subscription fees that people don't want to be paying for anymore. Stop falling for subscription scams. Start start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now to truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands. Go to truebill.com slash locked on NBA. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by JJ and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Continuing on here with your first listen of the day with Chelsea Late of Raptors HQ and Chelsea. Let's talk a little about DJ Wilson. He is not going to be your dude of the game. That is somebody else coming up later in the set in the show. But we got to talk about him a little bit. He played 13 minutes in minutes in this game, all in the second half, because he did not clear the COVID protocols until the end of the first half, which is very 2021. He comes in, he plays uh, nine minutes, gets six boards, two of three from the field, goes to the line six times, hits five of them, is a plus 12, very easily their best center defender of the night, the guy who gave them the best shot against Embiid, lots of hustle, lots of energy, all that stuff. What were your thoughts on DJ Wilson, Chelsea? And are you already looking at DJ Wilson as potentially a guy that the Raptors should be locking into a real contract beyond his 10 days? Yeah, I mean, out of the four that they've signed, he's definitely made the most impact in the time that he's been, you know, with us. And I mean, I think he really has that kind of Raptors mentality where it's like that next man up kind of thing. You know, he mm -hmm. came, he understood his assignment. He got in, he made an impact. Um, I think he's full of energy and full of, you know, he just has that kind of grit that is needed during this time to just kind of like get, get get shit done um <laughs> i don't know if i'm allowed to say that sorry but um that's no, all right we can put it into the youtube rating it's fine all right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he just he got in there and he did what he had to do and he was efficient and i think that's all you can ask of these guys who you're just calling up randomly i mean they haven't even had a full practice with the team yet and he's doing mm -hmm. that and making that impact so i definitely think he's someone that the raptors should look into and you know, develop. I mean, for him, if I was him, I would be really happy with where I am right now, just because, you know, he's on a team that prioritizes development that much. And mm. you're a young guy and you're kind of in the G League and you want to get up there. I mean, what better position to be in than to be called up by the Raptors, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I think he's someone that could probably make a difference for us going forward, someone who could be on the bench and you know, we don't really have that depth in the center position. And so mm -hmm. anyone who can help us out there when, you know, guys like Ken Birch are out or, you know, when you have to, you know, rotate guys and you need someone to come off the bench and give that impact, like, you know, have that impact. I think he's someone that could do that. And so, yeah, for sure. I think that we should keep him and see, see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, he's making himself a really good case right now. Um, you know, of course, they have that open roster spot that they uh, released Sam Decker from. Obviously, a tax-related move that was. And so, you know, who knows how much that is going to play into their decision-making when it comes to, you know, what they do. Is, is a tax going to be a consideration? You know, and, and before you're like, oh, it shouldn't be a consideration. They should just pay the tax. Like, there's reasons not to pay the tax. Uh, if you are not a contending team, it becomes prohibitive multiple years down the road if you pay the tax too often. So you have to be selective and smart about when you pay the tax 
for those of you who are screaming, just pay them, because I also am very much just a just pay money type person. It's not my money. I don't care. But the tax actually does have a competitive advantage to not paying for those who are, uh, again, out there sort of just screaming for them to sign DJ Wilson to, for all sorts of exorbitant amounts of money. Um I, I think, you know, there's obviously the Goran Dragic thing, and maybe this sort of forces their hand a little bit. If Wilson's a guy they don't want to let go, the way he's played, I'm sure other team would other teams would want to pick him up. Uh, maybe this is sort of going to force their hand on like a buyout for Dragic or something like that. You know, that maybe that's a little bit too premature, but that's another consideration. But I think, you know, a few more games the way he's played, there's no reason why DJ Wilson shouldn't be someone they consider as like a third big type guy. Obviously, he's probably not going to play a ton if they're at full health. Ken Birch, Precious Achua, both guys they have more invested in, both guys who are better overall basketball players. But uh, the way Wilson's played, I think he's making a pretty decent case to get himself an NBA job, which is uh, very good for him. Even if it doesn't come with the Raptors, I think he's uh, he's probably gotten himself back in the NBA mix. So awesome story. Sort of one of the only cool silver linings of this nightmare part of the schedule that we've been in. Um, I want to ask you about Malachi Flynn, Chelsea. Yeah. Last night he plays 32 minutes. He starts coming back from COVID protocols. Goes 2 of 12, 2 of 8 from 3, 6 points, 4 boards, 3 assists. Uh, and was pretty ineffectual, I think, most of the game. Again, the 2 of 12 is the big thing that kind of is the glaring sort of standout number from his box score. Where are you at with Malachi Flynn, Chelsea? I want to be in so bad, but yeah. I find myself falling more and more out on Malachi Flynn. Where are you at with him? Yeah, I feel like last year he was definitely part of, you know, he was kind of that third option. So you had Kyle, you had Fred, and he was just mm -hmm. kind of learning. And I think that gave him more opportunities to kind of fail. And of course, when you're a rookie, you kind of get, you know, a few more chances, but now, you know, he's expected to be the backup, if anything, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I've, I've, like you said, I want to be so invested and there's times where he's amazing. And you're like, Oh, like that's what we need to see, but it's just been a lot of inconsistency. And, um, you know, I definitely think that if he's going to stay in the lineup and if he's going to, you know, be that backup, now's the time, you know, your, your point guard is gone and you have to step up. And I think last time was, Last night was a really good opportunity for him to step up, and unfortunately, it just wasn't his night. So, I mean, hopefully, he'll improve. I mean, I want to believe in him. You know, you want the guys that we drafted to do well and to thrive in our system. Um, but I honestly think, you know, he would. He did really well in his nine oh five stretch last year. Like, why not yeah. put it back down there and see, you know, what he can do for them and see if that kind of helps him develop a bit more. He had such like a short run with them last season because of their like yeah. short bubble season and I feel like it's just a lot of pressure on him right now so maybe that's what's getting him maybe that's what you know needs to be a little bit of pressure be relieved from him for him to start to develop a little bit more but I mean something's not clicking and unfortunately that's not going to turn out well for him if he keeps on you know that path yeah I mean, I guess we should say, and in fairness, like last night was a really difficult situation for everyone who played. You know, it was short notice, not a lot of conditioning, no practice time for a couple of weeks. It had been two weeks since most of these guys had played. Yeah. That said, like Pascal Siakam looked just fine and Gary Trent Jr. missed a lot of shots, but he got himself kind of involved in the action pretty quickly in yeah. a way that Flynn just did not. And 
Look, I, I, I don't know. Like, they don't have much in the way of options right now. They could have had Drogic. I still think they probably should have handled that situation differently and maybe had Drogic be their backup while Flynn went down to the G League and kind of seasoned himself up down there. I don't need to rehash that. I've done that a million times, and I'm driving myself to the point of insanity talking about it on the podcast. But I just, like, is there something that you want to see from Flynn in particular? Like a, like a thing within his skill set, a thing within the way he plays to kind of give you encouragement that maybe he can be salvaged as a rotation player going forward here. And again, it's totally unfair to be like this down on Malachi Flynn. He didn't have a real rookie season. He didn't have a real training camp. Only he's been to one summer league. There's a lot, but like lots of guys from last year's first round have started to make an impact. And so you have to sort of look at uh, like, where do you think are the sort of avenues for improvement with him? Because I don't really know right now like it's like it seems like it kind of is out there like he's got he takes 12 shots last night it's the aggression you're looking for but like the shot making just is not there is there a sort of salve here for his game that you're kind of looking at like if he can kind of touch up that one thing he's going to be fine i honestly think he needs to make his shots i mean that's what's going to make an impact is getting those shots and um i think also in his position, he should, if the shots are coming for him, he should, you know, try to be creating for others a little bit more and seeing what he can do off the ball, maybe helping his defense a little bit more. You know, I think the thing about Gary Trent Jr., like you mentioned, sure, his shots weren't falling, but he was finding other ways to be really impactful in the game. And mm-hmm. that's what's really made the difference for Gary Trent Jr. this year is just all of the the things that he's done, like in addition to his shooting. I think a lot of people were kind of questioning Gary Trent Jr. Like, oh, like, is he that good of a shot maker? But then he just came out this year and was just like a monster on defense. (laughs) And so now everybody's like, oh, okay, like that's his thing. And so I think Malachi Flynn just needs to find his thing and run with it. And if that thing isn't shooting, then he needs to figure out what it is fast and start doing it so he can make an impact. And I think that's what's what makes the difference with these guys is, you know, which way do they make an impact and you know, if they can do it really well, then, you know, then they'll be okay. But with him, I think if his shots aren't falling, he needs to figure out what to do about that and either make his shots or find something else that he's good at. Yeah. And that's the tricky thing is because like, he doesn't really get a chance to showcase the thing that he is kind of touted as being good at, which is running pick and roll, right? Because they don't run a ton of pick and roll on this team. It's just not how they do it. They don't have a ton of great big partners for him. Maybe DJ Wilson is the savior as the as the role man partner for Malachi Flynn. What a depressing sentence that was. Uh, but like... Like he doesn't really get the opportunity to flex his muscle in that department. He doesn't really have like he's good at jumping passing lanes. He has some defensive instincts, but he's just not big enough to be like a real impact defender. And, and you know, obviously Fred Van Vliet's five eleven. He's not big either, but he's built like a fire hydrant, and that's not really what Malachi Flynn has going for him. And so he doesn't really get to impact the game on the defensive end in, in that tangible way. Even though he has been a positive defensive player by defensive win shares and whatnot over the course of his career where he's been uh, basically a net neutral or negative on offense. And like, you know, we're, we're now at 69 games for him playing the NBA over a thousand minutes. He's at a 49 point point, sorry, 47.6 true shooting percentage. Most of his threes are coming or his shots are coming from three. So there's not like a lot of penetration going on and not a lot of sort of like dynamism to his offense. I, I still hold out some hope and, and you know, it's again, 69 games is not a lot of games, right? So, you know, the, it, it's, it's worth kind of 
mentioning that, but I will consider myself extremely concerned about Malachi Flynn and his ability to kind of take the reins and become a, you know, a legitimate option as a backup point guard for this team. They looked best last night, you know, when Pascal had the ball in his hands and I don't, you know, just not even close. And I did not want any possessions where Malachi was running things because Pascal was out there for 42 minutes. Uh, because <laughs> He had to be because there was no reasonable backup option for point guard. Um, we'll continue on here, Chelsea, and round things out and talk about the dude of the game. And I also want to just kind of ask you about the team in general, uh, sort of framed around Boucher and his improvement. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. You've got you covered all season, all holiday season, that is, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues its march through the college bowl season and into the pro football playoffs. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Meaning if you put in 100 bucks, you get an extra 50 bucks added to your account for free. That is a wonderful deal. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that very special bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait and take advantage of all the offers waiting for you right now at betonline.ag where the game starts. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. It's the New Year's. That means New Year's resolutions, baby. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier or just not eating seven chocolate bars a day like mine is going to be about, then I highly recommend you check in on the Built Bar and work them into your plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar in some cases. And it is made it make, makes it so it's easier to stick to your resolution because you want that sweet, indulgent treat but you can go with a built Bar instead of a chocolate bar or any other sort of confection, and you're not going to be disappointed because it's delicious. It tastes like a regular candy bar. It's not all choxy or waxy or disgusting or chemically like a lot of the protein bars you get out there. Instead, it's just tasty, it's healthy, and it's wonderful, and it makes you feel pretty good about having it. Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. You've got 130 calories. 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in most bars. Compare that to a candy bar that's like 240 calories on the low end, 30 grams of sugar, who wants that, and a dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, office car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary stuff and replace them with built Bars. That's what I got to be doing. I've done the thing where I eat all the stuff in the first couple days after Christmas, so there's nothing left in the house, and I feel like garbage as a result. But now built Bars are populating all my little uh, cr- cr- nooks and crannies where my treats tend to reside. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out or whatever that might be, maybe you don't have a New Year's resolution. You just want to have a tasty treat. Built Bar is the way to go. Go to built.com, use the promo code, and get 15% off your order. The promo code is, of course, LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. Start the new year off right with some Built Bars. All right, rounding things out here on your first listen of the day, and we come to the segment that everybody's talking about is the dude of the game and Chelsea as the first time guest on Locked on Raptors. You have the honor of naming our dude of the game for the game against the Sixers last night. Take it away. Um, I definitely at the beginning of the game didn't think I was going to pick who I'm going to pick. But um, I, I, went Chris, I went with Chris Boucher. And, um, yeah! <laughs> um, yeah, I... It was last night was great. I mean, I definitely was on that kind of like, what are we doing with Chris Boucher kind of side of the, of the you know, argument with him. Um, mm-hmm. 
there was definitely some concern a few in a few games. Um, but last night he came out and I think he said something about how you know the game against Cleveland showed what being a first option is like, and he didn't yeah. really like it. Um, and so <laughs> I think it he came out and he just like knew what he, his assignment was and he just did it and it was amazing. And I'm like, okay, if he can play like this every game, then we're good. And um yeah, he did incredible. He was just finding his opportunities. He was really active, you know, on the glass and just trying to snatch up any rebounds that he could, which is like something that our team right now kind of struggles with. And so I was so impressed with his shot making ability, with the way that he was being really aggressive, the way that he was trying to, you know, and obviously the assignment last night for him was a tough one being a center when you're up against someone like Embiid is like a really high task and he, mm. he stepped up and he made an impact and, you know, I was, I was incredibly impressed. <laughs> yeah. I definitely expected Chris Boucher was going to fall down more in this game, guarding Joel Embiid, uh, kind of maintained his, uh, his upright standing nature, uh, quite a bit. It was lovely to see. Uh, I think, yeah, wonderful due to the game pick here. 28 points, 19 bar- boards. He's done that twice in the last 10 months or eight months or whatever it's been. And he is the only player in Raptors history to have ever done it even one time. So that's bloody impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just one of those games like they needed that uh, outburst, right? They're not in this game even like remotely if he doesn't have that sort of string where he's like, all right, I guess I'm just taking all the threes. And it's one of those things where it starts out where it's one of those, oh, no, 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 yes situations. And then by like the third three, it's like, all right, dude, cook, you're hot. Heat check every single time down the floor. And he did that. And like he again, he didn't just score from three point range. Right. This wasn't just an unseasonably warm night shooting. He had five two pointers made. He shot five of seven on those. He was really, really excellent. You know, his defense at the rim, again, you know, there's only so much he's going to do against Embiid, but I thought he was kind of flying around, offering some good help defense and and contests and whatnot. Uh, A really, really impressive and essential game, really, from Chris Boucher last night in a pretty tough spot. And he lately has really kind of ticked up over his last eight games. Chelsea Boucher is at 15.6 points a game, 35% from three on 4.3 attempts, which is closer to the crazy season he had last year shooting. He's up to near 80% from the free throw line, 8.4 boards as well. Uh, like averaging more than a block a game in that time, 26 minutes a game over that time. It's been a pretty nice little run here for Boucher. I don't necessarily know if it changes my overall outlook on him. And, and I think, you know, my outlook has always been, I think he's a fun and cool regular season player who makes the regular season more fun when he goes off like he does. But do I trust him in a playoff series? No, not ever. Not going to happen. Last night doesn't change that, but it does give me a little bit more hope that he can kind of offer those fun flourishes a little bit more often. And those flourishes can sometimes lead to wins. So uh, that's where I kind of at w- w- with Chris Boucher here. And his improvement has really sort of, in theory, amped up the depth once they are back at full health. You know, who's to say he'll kind of maintain the form when he's back down being the ninth or tenth man? But this kind of leads me to a question for you, Chelsea. I've been thinking about this because this Raptors team, I think, is good. I think there is enough here to say that this team is good. The top six most used lineups for this team, all positives, some of which very much so in the positive, um, or six of the top seven lineups, whatever it might be. Yeah, there's only one in their top six that's a negative, and it's just barely negative in 47 minutes. And so 
they have the profile of a team that's kind of on the rise. Their offense remains pretty solid. Their defense is on the rise from where it was at the start of the season. You know, that Cavs game throws all the data out of whack a little bit. But, you know, they look like a team. The profile of the team looks like something that you can work with here over the back part of the season. And if Boucher is going to offer some of that second unit depth, which they've lacked so much this year, Yuta Watanabe is playing extremely well right now. You're kind of looking at a team that once they're full health has eight, nine guys who are pretty reliable. What do you think is possible for this team down the stretch here, Chelsea? Like, do you think a real run is possible, like a contention for the sixth seed? Or should we set our expectations a little lower than that? Um, yeah, I think the main key with this team is health. Unfortunately, yeah. they've been in some really tough circumstances these past few years, as everyone has. And unfortunately, when it comes to the NBA, they kind of get like the rough end of the stick a lot of the time because, you know, mm-hmm. with regulations being different and traveling more and all this stuff. But, you know, they just need to get healthy. And I'm definitely of the belief that, you know, if we have all of our healthy guys and we get a good run with all of them, you know, I can see them being the sixth seed I can see them having a good run I mean if you get Scotty Barnes in a playoff situation I think that's <laughs> incredible I mean him and Fred and you know all those guys who have a little bit more playoff experience as well like I think they could have a really fun run and you know see something in the end and uh, I think people are quick to kind of like be like oh well this season hasn't gone well we should we should start going downward but I'm definitely the opposite I'm like let's get healthy and let's you know let's go for a run and see what happens and I definitely think this is the season where anything is possible I think we saw I mean for those of you listening who follow the WNBA it was a season like that where someone kind of came from lower in in the standings and won it all and I think that's possible this season especially with everything being so up in the air with you know protocols and people being in and out and you know certain teams missing stars for certain reasons if it's the year that you know something crazy is gonna happen it's definitely this year so I mean I'm I love it I say we get healthy we go for it we see what happens you know Scotty Barnes is incredible and I think he would be really good in a playoff situation so Mm -hmm. I want to see it. Yeah, this team is undeniably too good to tank. Uh, like they're just there's a lot of good players on this team who can make things happen, and I think altogether the final product looks to be pretty intriguing. And like there are also lots of really really bad teams that they're going to have a really hard time out tanking. The Pacers, Magic, Pistons in the East, half the West sucks. Like <laughs> it's like there's not like an easy path to being terrible. And I think there's a pretty reasonable path to being like a six seed in the Eastern conference. Look, the Cavs are good. The heat are really good, but they've been going through some health stuff. They just had more guys as we record right now, go into the protocols. Like there is going to be opportunities to gain ground on some of these teams because they run into COVID problems. It's just the reality of this season. And maybe the Raptors have gotten their big scare out of the way. Who knows? It's possible they get back into it and all that, but um, you know, I, I think there's pretty green pastures ahead. And also, if I'm looking at the teams in the Eastern Conference, the Hornets don't scare me. The Wizards don't scare me. The Celtics certainly don't scare me. And I don't think the Knicks are very good either, despite their last couple wins, bing bong, etc. Like, I, I think the Raptors at full health, at full capacity are better than all those teams. You know, the Hawks, I would maybe sort of take the Hawks just because of the talent level. But like, there's no reason they can't push at least for the seven seed. And if someone falls out of that top six because of COVID or whatever, then there's, you know, very much going to be a six seed for the taking there as well. So, yeah, I- I'm pretty encouraged after last night. It was nice to just see a fun basketball game. My God, I don't know about you, but like 
yeah. watching that Cavs game and just sort of like watching all these fake basketball games around the league recently. Yeah. It's been kind of a drag and it was cool to see last night uh, not be that, which was, uh, you know, just a f- breath of fresh air. Chelsea, it was lovely having you on the show. And this was very much a delight, uh, much like watching the Raptors last night. Thanks for being here. Uh, do you have anything you would like to promote for the good people up there before we re uh, before we get out of here? Um, follow me on Twitter. I post most of my, my writing there. So find me there. Excellent. At Chelsea late on Twitter. You can see it right there on the screen. If you're, uh, if you're, if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, which you should be, frankly, uh, subscribe on YouTube. I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, it's very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. You can also find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to rate review on your favorite podcast apps for free as well. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Raptors your first listen of the day. We'll be back again tomorrow. Katie Heindel is going to pop on the podcast. We're going to do a little mailbag to close out 2021 as I'll be off on Friday. So tomorrow will be the last episode of the year before we move into the new year. Uh, in the meantime, go make your second listen of the day. Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports doing a wonderful job making sense of the nonsense that is the betting scene right now with the amount of COVID going around the pro sports leagues. They are helping you cut through it and still win some money so go listen to locked on bets check it out and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.